You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hour two, Utah Car Sense here on The Zone Sports Network. Austin Horton and Jeff Miller with you. Eric Jensen producing for us today. Taking your phone calls at 855-340-ZONE. When you hear Derek Favors is coming back. How do you describe your emotions in a type of car or the type of game he plays in the in a car? 855-340-ZONE. Speaking of emotions, did you see Patrick Beverly's tweet? Yes. Montrez <laughs> Harrell. That Montrez Harrell's going to the Lakers. <laughs> Montrez Harrell signs a two-year deal with the Lakers, and Patrick Beverly quote tweets it with a swearing emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Slap, slap face, what swearing emoji? Which shouldn't have been that big of a surprise to anyone in Clipper fandom or uh, Clipper players themselves because the first media availability of last season, Montrez Harrell said, we are not a team. We're terrible in communication. We have bad chemistry. It's not going to happen. That's, he said these things week one last year, and then, then and there I went – yeah, he's not coming back to the Clippers in the in the, the offseason. Clippers coach who got the coaching job? Uh, is it Taiwan Ty Lu? I believe is oh, it not? Ty Lu got it. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's Ty Lu. That uh, yep, it is I mean, Tyron Lu. One thing that Doc Rivers never did for the Clippers was ever create a cohesive unit where these guys were a team. Okay, you know, do you think to that end? Do you think Doc Rivers is a good head coach? Or did he just happen to have a superstar team that won a, an NBA title? He just had three ridiculous players with the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. I, like I don't think he's ever been a top level NBA coach. I and he's I love been a middle of the road guy. I love and fully highly respect Doc Rivers the person. And I'm not Absolutely. saying he's a bad coach. I'm saying I'm not sure I want him as my head coach. Yeah, because, I don't think he was ever a top ten NBA coach. And there's a lot but of people I, I that would think, call I you crazy. He doesn't I, belong there. He belongs as an NBA coach, absolutely. Yes. Yep. And he's an incredible human being. He is a phenomenal person. Yeah. And, and, uh, and God, have you ever read his book? Uh, no, where I he gets he Me gets too. real serious, real honest and candid about someone burned their house down when he was a player, I think, for the Spurs. Uh, a white supremacist burned their house to the ground. Really? Uh, it's he, he, and he's. Anyway, I don't need to wax poetically about Doc Rivers, but he has done a lot for a lot of people that don't have the privileges he has that he's earned, and I think that's uh, to be noted. But as a head basketball coach, I think he's a little overrated. That being said, I'd rather him than Ty Lue, but that's just me. I don't know. If Ty Lue has LeBron James, it works. I was at one of the first games Ty Lue ever played for the Lakers back in the day. It was in the forum. I just happened to be at a, it was a jazz Laker game in the forum. And everyone was excited about this little Ty Lue guy who was like this little scrappy. He's a scrappy gnat of a player, right? Right. Just the guy that just gets in your head like a, like a Berea. And just annoys you to the point you want to punch him in the face. And so he's playing Stockton and Malone. And so he's just all over Stockton. Stockton's getting annoyed. You can tell. And so you see Stockton whisper something over to Malone. And the next play down the court, it's on a, like the quick, they get the ball out of bounds quick and get him. And Stockton's trying like rushes the ball up the court and Malone blind signs Lou with a pick. Yeah. Steps into it. 
I thought he killed him. Yes, I remember that. I did. And I remember refs, that. And the funny thing is, Malone absolutely stepped into it, and the refs just kind of looked at him and said, "There you go, rookie." <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the NBA. <laughs> when, when you're done counting the birdies flying around your head, we're oh, on yeah, the other end of the court the here. I mean, yeah. he it's end of the bench. Well, he was what six foot, one hundred and seventy, soaking wet. Yeah, I'm trying to have a full speed run into Carl stepping oh. into it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, in this day and age, he'd be in concussion protocol. Uh, back then, yeah. it was just sit out for eight minutes and then go back in. But still, uh, Tyloo, I don't know. I, I guess he's good at letting players do their thing, and maybe that's what you need in the NBA in a supermarket like Los Angeles. We'll see how that goes with the Clippers. And Rivers now with the the, 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 the Sixers. Uh, Doc Rivers now the head coach there. Uh, the Jazz, by the way, uh, while we're talking about it, Zach Guthrie kind of flew under the radar going to Dallas, leaving uh, the Jazz for, I assume, a big pay raise and a promotion to be the assistant coach there under Rick Carlisle. But the Jazz have added Dell Demps and Keon Dooling. Uh, or, excuse me, Keon Clark. Uh, and I, think I was doing, wasn't it? Wait, what did I just say? Keon Clark. No, not Keon Clark. Keon Dooling. So I thought I said Clark and then corrected to Dooling, but I actually did the reverse of that. <laughs> you did. It's Keon Dooling. Keon Dooling yes. was, a play, was on the Clippers when I was a Clippers season ticket holder back in 2001. Oh, really? Okay. Back, I got season tickets for the Clippers at two for one. Lower bowl season tickets for the Clippers in, in the Staples Center. What? How old were you? The greatest deal in history is $17 a game <laughs> for lower bowl Staples Center. <laughs> uh, why were they? We split them with like six other guys, but it was awesome. That's amazing because you're you know, not there to watch the Clippers. Down. You're there to watch the opponent. I was. We became big Clippers fans. Then. Oh, I always did? hated the Lakers, mm. so I became a Clippers fan just so I could hate the Lakers more. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just saying that would be worse buying the season tickets just to see the other team coming in every night. The funny thing is, they it was the year they were good. They were actually like 41 and 41. They almost made the playoffs. Hmm. They. Uh, it was the year they traded for Elton Brand. Oh, okay. All right. It was on draft night. They traded for Elton Brand. We went down to the arena and bought the tickets that day, and they were doing the press conference for Elton Brand in the part in the front of it when we walked in to look for our seats. Huh. Jeez. That's pretty cool. 855-340-ZONE. If you want to be part of the show, we'd love to hear from you. 855-340-ZONE. Quebec is uh, the latest city in the world to announce a ban of gasoline-powered passenger cars coming up in 2035. Now, I know that's 15 years uh, away. That seems like a long time. But on the other side of the coin, we're 15 years away from the banning of combustion engine vehicles in in Quebec. And, of course, this is California has announced a similar thing, as have uh, places in Europe. Uh, British Columbia, I believe, is moving in this direction as well. What is your uh, prediction or thoughts on the future of the combustion engine, Jeff? And when will this type of thing start to get closer to home here in Utah? I think that, I mean, I think for 20 years from now, you're not going to have a combustible engine. I think without question. For what now? I think 20, if you talk 20 years from now, I don't think you're going to see internally combustible engines anymore. Okay. So classic cars only, maybe. It's going to move to this hybrid idea. And then once the idea is once they can get battery technology to the point where 
you can drive long distances on it and it's cheap, which is going to happen, then that's when the point where it moves that way. I mean, I love my car that has the best of both worlds. I mean, I'm getting right now, I'm still getting, I'm not even paying attention as much as I was when I was crazy when I first got my plug in, but I'm still getting 90 to 95 miles a gallon. Mm. And I drive on the freeway all the time. I do whatever I want, but it, it, it's the best of both worlds to be able to be an electric car with the gas backup. But once again, electric car that can start going 300, 400 mile ranges and go at speed. I mean, it's a game changer. Yeah. I, I, I can, yeah. that you can charge fast too. I mean, the interesting thing is with Biden being elected, right. With him as the president elect beginning next, not some of those executive orders, you're definitely going to see executive orders on the Paris climate change accord, new fuel, fuel economy standards are going to come back. I mean, you're going to see a lot of that stuff come back in the next little bit. Hmm. So, I mean, I would not be surprised to see an executive order from Biden in February or March reinstating the fuel economy standards for the manufacturers, which most manufacturers don't care about. They just want to know what they are. That's a great point. Uh, they, they see that it's going in that direction. They see that that and they want to do that. They want to be right. more environment, environmentally uh, minded and conscious. But they also want to know what the rules are, what the playing field they, looks like. They, well, really what they want is a 50 state standard. They want a standard where it's, I don't have to build a different car for California than Utah. That's yeah, exactly. That's what they want. They just want one agreement. Well, how do you, how do you expect a company to, to operate if they have 50 different rules uh, and they have to, that, you can't, that's, you, you just can't, you gotta have a blanket federal law rule uh, byline or excuse me, standard that everyone has to live to. And then you just go on from there. If well, other states want to be better than that, that's that's a state decision. But I think there should be a, a bottom basement minimum federally set. And it, bege- and it becomes a huge issue with how our politics work that I'm not going to get too deep in this. I don't want to get myself in trouble. But on um, <laughs> that one guy can put in, say, OK, we're not going to follow the fuel economy standards. And then four years, another guy can come and say, now we're going to. Yes. <laughs> and all the car manufacturers are like, wait, what? Yes. Like we can't plan like that. <laughs> and that takes us five years to plan a car. <laughs> and that you know that that is, uh, it's, it's not a what how you're describing it is not necessarily a partisan thing. It's just a policy thing. Find some kind of level of consistency, regardless of who you voted for, or who you'd rather, what party you'd rather be in power. Whatever power party is in power, have a level of consistency with the previous. Uh, uh, administration so that everyone doesn't have to now start completely over every four years. Totally. And I, I think it's going to be vital to the country as far as, I mean, especially, and you see it in Utah, when you see what gas powered vehicles do to Utah and these diesel vehicles do to the air in Utah, mm. and we're only getting more people in Salt Lake Valley well, and Utah County and everywhere we go, we, we've got to figure out stuff on a local level too, to encourage people to, buy more fuel efficient vehicles and less polluting vehicles. Let, let me, while we're talking about uh, banning combustion engine cells and uh, moving towards hybrid, more hybrid and more electric cars, and we're talking about policy and politics and ethics a little bit, I want to run this story by you because 
It's from the Daily Mail over in the UK, and it's uh, regarding Boris Johnson, who is aiming for new cars to be electric by 2030. And then it folds into the, the ethics discussion of where are we getting this cobalt that, that uh, a battery relies on? And, and it looks at the mines in the Congo, the Democratic Republic of, of Congo, where children, literal children, are working for a, a pound and a half a day to risk their lives, go into these mines, and human pack mule these bags and boxes of cobalt out of the mine and to the factories every day. And two-thirds of the world's cobalt comes from these Congolese mines and these children laborers. How, how can we both want to be a, uh, uh, environmentally minded, build a better, safer vehicle that has longer range, but also work that into the, the ethics of seeing these little children mine this cobalt for us in our, in our cars, Jeff? How can, we, how can we get better in both worlds there? That's the hard part. That's where it takes open conversations on an international scale and having these environmental conversations as big groups. Like, for example, right now, the G20 is meeting, right? With the 20 biggest countries and biggest economies in the world. Like, those are where the conversations need to happen on how we do this and how we keep labor standards and how we do it in the right way. Because in order to do these things, there are trade-offs without question. Yeah. The supply of cobalt, the supply of lithium in this world, there are tons of places you can find it. Uh, and, and it does mention in this article that it's supposed to be illegal in the DRC uh, for under underage mining. It's supposed to be illegal. And so there's no official figures from the government as as far as how many of these children are in this situation. But an expert in Lualaba province told the Daily Mail there are about 10,000 underage uh, children, minors, that earn about six pounds a day for 12 hours work or 15,000 francs there in the Congo. Uh, they work starting around 14 years old or even 10 years old, said one insider. So... And, and look, it's not just in the Congo. You've got these things happening elsewhere, too. And, and, but one car battery in an electric car requires up to 18 pounds of cobalt, which is a thousand times more than the cobalt needed in a rechargeable battery for a smartphone. And this is a, this is a problem. If two-thirds of the world's cobalt are being mined by underage children laborers who are making a pound and a half a day for their, their efforts— uh, that we we need to find a way to to fix that. We do. You know, there's a cobalt mine in Idaho. I didn't. Yeah, no, I think it's the only. It's the, I think it's the only U.S. mine. The only U.S. source of cobalt is in Idaho. That and see. So let me ask you this: It can't possibly be true that there's no cobalt anywhere else in this country to be mined. It, it, right. You'd have to imagine there's different places with it. Right. right? So let. How can we find? Without tearing the world completely open and ruining the world, how can we find other cobalt mines in developed countries where we pay our laborers and we pay them insurance and we have them in, in safety standards so that we can move these things away? But then on the other side of that coin, Jeff, without the, that work, someone would say these Congolese miners wouldn't live, wouldn't, wouldn't survive without that work. So I don't know. I honestly yeah, don't know. There's two arguments to it, right? I mean, they... You've called, I mean, there, there is something to the fact that we, they, it is part of the Congolese 
economy. Mm. Whether the money is truly going to the workers or it's just the people who are owning the mines, that's another question, right? Yeah. It does say uh, on uh, sciencebase.gov that the United States has found other cobalt deposits uh, in places like uh, as Alaska, California, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, on and on, but the only place that's being actively mined is Idaho. So that's interesting. I wonder why that is. Maybe I need to look into that more. Why would we have yeah, other deposits? There's a bunch of mines that are coming up in the United States still. Yeah. So anyway, kind of an ethics question. Uh, because here's a, here's a good one for you. Ready for this? Yeah. The United States produced only two percent of the world's lithium. Hmm. Let me see what year this was written. Who produced this? Was in 2018. So two but years ago. Okay. Has what's the total number? Let me see. Lost it. But has around 13 percent of the identified resources of lithium. So we only produce two percent, but we have 15 percent of the resources in the world. Yeah, and there's, a, there's actually some projects in Utah that are getting ready to start okay. uh, mining lithium in Utah. All right. That's, that, that should change. Uh, and just out of my own curiosity, I was wondering who leads the world in lithium producing. And I would never have guessed this, but Australia leads the world in lithium producing. Australia and China. And Chile, yeah. Hmm. China. Uh, wow, I, you know, I've never seen lithium in the raw form. It looks just like snow that's interesting anyway all right so an ethics question and a, and a good discussion there 855-340-ZONE if you want to be part of the show 855-340-ZONE I told you the Japanese Honda Odyssey has a couple of cool features that you can't get anywhere but in Japan and those are involving an elbow bump <laughs> of course it is in the pandemic world and a reservation lock let me read this to you from autoblog.com. The elbow bump is essentially you've got your hands full of groceries or bags or children or, or coats or whatever you're holding, and you don't have the hands to open your sliding door. Well, you've seen this on, on tailgates where you put your foot under the bumper or, or whatever, and, and the tailgate opens. Well, now you do an elbow bump to the van door, and it opens the van door, the sliding door. Pretty cool. I like that a lot. That's cool. But you can't get it only in Japan. And the other thing you can only get in Japan, they haven't brought it to the United States yet in the Honda Odyssey, is something called the reservation lock, which automatically locks the car after all the doors are closed. It's activated by pushing the proximity sensing lock unlock button on the door handle or the key fob, even while the sliding doors or rear lift gate is open. Rather than an annoying beep reminder, the car simply waits until doors and hatch have shut, then issues an audible and light flashing notification that the car is locked. I don't really follow that one. What's so cool about that? And I, because I'm pretty sure my 10 year old Honda CRV has an automatic lock feature. Yeah, right. I don't get that one either. So I don't maybe they're not explaining it or I'm not following how they're explaining it correctly. But anyway, it says this would be a tremendously useful addition to all cars as it lets you lock the car before you've grabbed all your kids and your gear. I don't understand that at all. Oh, I see. I, I get it now. Okay, so the doors are still shut. You're okay. able to lock the doors, but then still open it to get the kids out and when it open when it closes again, it automatically locks again. That makes sense. Now okay. I'm following. Okay. 
So it's a small change, but it, uh, that's important. That's pretty cool. So I can't believe I can't believe we've almost got ninety minutes in this show without talking about how this is my worst college football day of the year. <laughs> because I don't want to jinx it, Jeff. I don't want to. You don't want to jinx the fact that we might not have a football game in the right. Hours? This is the we're in the bottom of the eighth in a Come in a perfect test. game Please right test, now. Test negative. <laughs> we, we have we're not halfway through the perfect game. We are six outs away from the perfect game happening, and you you're bringing it up. So that's why I want to talk about. It. I got you. I'm with you. But let's talk about it. You right. are a grad of both Utah and USC. I am. It's my tough day of the year. I haven't decided which jersey or hat to put on yet. Well, I would highly, highly recommend you wear the Utah hat today. I get that this is their first game. I get that the first games, there's a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of jitters. But something tells me this University of Utah team is angry and ready to play a University of Southern California team who's a little soft in the games they, they played so far. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely struggled. They, they snuck out three, snuck out two good ones. Arizona State's a fine team. That's a talented group. Uh, they should not have been giving Arizona State the opportunities they did in that game, speaking of USC. And that's to say nothing of the opportunities they gave Arizona in the, in the next game after that. They were so bad, and it just so happens that Arizona is no good. And so USC yeah. survived. And Slovis came through clutch in both games. You got to give him that too. Yeah, it's funny on the Big Show we have this running gag about Slovis because Slovis played that game against Stanford uh, last year, and Gordon Munson wrote this glowing uh, review full of praise in his column, which it was a fine piece, and he was right to do so. But then the next week, Slovis came in and lost to BYU, and so Jake teases Gordon about. Gordon being the Keaton Slovis fan club president and Keaton Slovis for Heisman uh, spokesperson. But to that end, to if we're being honest, Keaton Slovis is good. He is. He's really good. He's a very good player. Has, has, speaking of quarterbacks, has Utah announced one yet? Nope. Not publicly. Wait until who they send out for the first play. <laughs> and I tell you, you, you gather 10 quote-unquote experts or insiders and you'll get five answers for Bentley and five answers for Rising. Uh, and Who, I, who's your guess? If I were, you're you're, you're an expert. No, you're I'm on not. The radio. First, you're, I'm you're paid to do this stuff. I'm, I'm not an expert nor an insider. I'm just a blabbermouth who happens to have the privilege of a microphone in front of him, and which if, is about the equivalent of most experts. <laughs> out there, so let's go. If I were the coach at the University of Utah, I would choose Jake Bentley. I think that he gives you uh, more dynamic. I think he gives you bigger play possibility. He also has the bigger risk factor. Jake Bentley does. Cam Rising's more of a safe pick, so I, I go with the I go with the more risky pick until it's the wrong idea, and then I bring in Cam Rising. But there are those out there like Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune, who I would trust more than me in evaluating University of Utah, and he thinks Cam Rising fits the description of what uh, little hints we've been given by Kyle Whittingham over the last five six months. So. We'll see who they go with, but if it were me choosing, I'd go with Jake Bentley. All right, we'll see who runs out for that first series, because I think that's when we'll know. Josh made a good point, though, about Cam Rising. Uh, he sat next to uh, Ludwig all season last year in the booth, right that's next learning. to him. So even though Ludwig has that SEC tie with Jake Bentley, 
perhaps Cam Rising is more ready and more versed in what Ludwig wants to have done on the offense, and that could give him the edge. We'll see. We'll see who goes out there. Bentley's got the size. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's like what six four. He he is. He's he's what I would want my quarterback to look like, honestly. Uh, but that doesn't always mean that that's the right choice. I was also the one back in the day that thought Troy Williams should have been the starter and not Tyler Huntley. And Tyler Huntley proved me wrong in his senior year with, with how good he was last year. So, I loved Huntley. Huntley was an awesome player. And he's a great guy, a great kid. Tyler's mm-hmm. a good person. All right, uh, we'll take our final break. We'll get back uh, in just a few minutes to wrap up this week's edition of Utah Car Sense. Got to talk about one of the world's major car producers moving out of Germany, which is uh, big-time news, and we haven't talked about that yet. We got some uh, breaking NBA news when we come back as well. Stay tuned for that. Breaking news from Jeff Miller next here on Utah Car Sense. Wheezy, baby. Have a car question? Ask the experts at 855-340-ZONE. You're listening to Utah Car Sense with Jeff Miller and Austin Horton. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru. On 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ EJ on the ones and twos today. Eric Jensen bumping us back. Who is this? I'm not young enough to know. I, I mean, we've been over this, I think, at least three times. That is uh, Lil Wayne. And it's uh, one of the only <laughs> ones I can use that has lyrics because he doesn't swear till right after I cut it off. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, other, other cuts from today. I haven't been just a one trick pony. I mean, we had Johnny Cash one piece at a time earlier today. Sure, sure. We, we yeah. went with, uh, but we did go with the new Two Chains beat from his song feel away see all i i'm old but i'm not so old that i don't like that music i just prefer instrumental does that make me yeah no no i like the instrumental okay here's one of my (laughs) no we don't need to sample more (laughs) eric jensen producing for us today i'm austin horton jeff miller socially distanced at his home today and we are talking about the share the love event now through january 4th as you heard in the commercial break you buy a new car from mark miller subaru they will donate $250 to a charity of your choosing that they've got a list of. And if you choose one of the local charities, Nuzzles & Co., uh, Wasatch Community Gardens, Spy Hop, and uh, I'll remind me of the fourth one at the Southtown store, Jeff. Fit to Recover. I'm sorry, who? Can you hear me? Oh, Fit to Recover. You, fit to Recover. Fit to recover. Before we get you'll, into this. You'll match the $250. The Little Wayne intro? Yeah. You know, he got charged with a federal gun offense and he's facing 10 years in prison. He is? I didn't know any of that. And so, like, the but conspiracy he's, theory out he's there playing is the reason that he, like, came out for Trump a few months ago yep. was that he's pardon shopping. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Jeff's uh, got it. Jeff's, Jeff's young and hip. Uh-huh. He's, got, he's, part, he's pardon shopping. <laughs> He's that got his is... pulse on the finger of hip hop in America. Uh, w- would you? Would you do that? Would you side with someone you absolutely are opposed to, but if but to try and get a a pardon? Is that something you would do, Eric? Would you play that game? 
Well, personally, I'd do anything to get a pardon. I mean, <laughs> to stay out of jail. The thing, the things <laughs> I've done. I mean, I, I but I haven't even been caught for yet, but I won't ever admit to doing. You know, it, it'd be nice to have a get out of jail free card in your back. Eric, pocket. that's the problem with the pardon, though, is you have to admit to your crime. Yeah. Ah. Yep. You have to own it. Well, shoot, man. I guess own I'll the just... crime to get the pardon. I guess I'll just live under the radar. See, I like living under <laughs> what radar. Eric doesn't realize is I just was talking with Lloyd Cole the other day about how I like Eric. He looks like a nice guy. He seems like a nice guy, but he probably has killed a few people yeah, in yeah, his day. Yeah. They, I mean, I look at my Twitter bio picture. I mean, it's Bill <laughs> Belichick. Like, who knows? Maybe I buried some ball boys under the mass turnpike. You, you who just, knows? You, you have that look in your eye that's like, yeah, if I saw breaking news, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I thought so. Yeah. Oh, he snapped. <laughs> okay. Where did we have to see here? this? What's your what's your Twitter feed? Uh, I'm not uh, Eric 18 Utah, if, I guess. Uh, it's just a picture of Belichick looking disgruntled. Oh, okay. That's it. All. Does look like a murderer though. But yeah. Jeff, you teased as we went to break, you would have a Woj bomb for us. I do have a Woj bomb. Some former Utah Jazz player news, reported by Woj. Gordon Hayward signs a four-year, $120 million contract with the Charlotte Bobcats. No, no, you, you're mispronouncing. He, I saw he was going to the Indiana Pacers. Oh, that was what he told everybody and got them all excited about. <laughs> Could you imagine him doing that again to another oh fan base? Oh, my gosh, it's so Hayward. So let me get this straight. He had, he had a player option to stay in Boston with his BFF, Brad Stevens. Uh, but none of the players in Boston liked him, so he opted out and made overtures to the Pacers, then said, okay, maybe I'll, if I'm going to the Pacers, maybe I'll throw Danny Ainge and the Celtics a bone and let them do a signing trade, even though he didn't let the Jazz do that back in the day. And then that was all when I went to bed last night, and now we wake up today and he's not going to the Pacers or the Celtics. He's going to play for Michael Jordan. And another one of his former team gets nothing in return. Fascinating. Here's my Karma's, big, fat, surprised face. An interesting thing, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, you know what? Uh, all that aside, four years, $120 million, that's probably the right thing for Gordon Hayward to be doing because that is insane for him to be making $30 million a year. That is what's called an overpay. Oof. That's, and, and this is not bitter jazz fan Austin. I'm just evaluating Gordon Hayward, the player, and I think he lost so much due to that injury. I mean, my guess is when you're thinking about numbers, weren't you thinking like four years, 80, maybe? maybe he's yeah. Lucky? yeah, 20 a year. Yeah. 20 a year if he's lucky? Yeah. If someone likes like Indiana, it's like, oh, we really need him? But 30 million a year? Good gravy. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, there was also some Danny Ainge uh, drama involved in this. Apparently, you you saw that it's reported that Danny Ainge was asking for way too much. He was asking for way too much from Indiana in the sign and trade, and Indiana's like, "We're not doing that." And so Gordon just said, "I'm going to take my money." And, and, and what you've learned from the free agents this year, like the market's not super strong. If a t if money's on the table, take the money, and it might not be there in five hours. Right, and. and uh, good for good for the Haywards to go get some money, and they're not going to win a lot of games. That's for certain. But not paying him and him and Nicholas Batum making fifty five million next year. Ugh, 
If you if you think Gordon oh, Hayward's not, getting overpaid that's not gonna work. at thirty that's not million, how you build a team. Nicholas Batum is making twenty five million dollars next season. Yep. That Ooh, another uh, a Shams bomb just dropped a minute ago. Avery Bradley signs with the Heat. Okay. Yeah, he had two, a player option. And now he's a reasonable out. contract. Two years, eleven million. Well, that's interesting because. His player option for next year with the Lakers was $5 million. He opted out. There were a lot of people that thought the Lakers would then, you know, double that and give him a, a three-year deal, uh, uh, 12 to twelve to $18 million. And instead he goes two years to the Heat for just under twelve. Yeah. That's good, a good, good pickup by, by the Heat. And goes to a good Heat team. I, uh, I would have loved to see the Jazz find a way to get Avery Bradley in before they – did what they did yesterday. Uh, I like Avery Bradley. I think he's a good defender. He fit, he fit him all in the drive. Yeah, and speaking of Gordon Hayward and Avery Bradley, remember that time they subbed in Avery Bradley against the Jazz and Gordon Hayward had a game-winning shot opportunity and Avery Bradley blocked it? Uh, I do that, remember that. That, was, that, that, that cemented me on the, on the Avery Bradley fan train. But anyway, Fast and Furious NBA news. I, I love free agency more than I love the NBA itself. I honestly oh, the first do. few days, it's so fun. Just all of a sudden, Woj bomb, Shams bomb, yep. Tony Jones bomb. How about Tony Jones breaking yesterday? You're right. And, and Tony and Derek have Derek Favors have a really good relationship. Uh, I don't know if Tony would like me saying this, but they're somewhat friends uh, outside of the profession. Uh, yep. and, and so it wasn't surprising to me that Tony got that news. Uh, and by the way, pay for the athletic because it is, it is great so, articles and the article I have on favors is worth it alone. Yes, absolutely. So Gordon Hayward, four years, 120 to the Charlotte Hornets. That is <laughs> amazing. You want, you want it? So my guess is it's front loaded. So imagine you're probably paying Gordon, a 34 year old Gordon Hayward, about 34 million. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. I'm out. Enjoy. Enjoy that. Yeah, that's they're gonna not like that in three or four years. And let me say this about about Gordon Hayward: I do throw a lot of shade his way. I call him big haircut. Uh, I think it was pretty sad how he handled his departure from uh, the Utah Jazz. But Gordon Hayward has never done anything uh, to to me personally, uh, to, or or anyone that I think should cause anyone to hate his guts. Uh, I, I I think that he. Uh, whenever he was asked to do media, he did it. Whenever he was asked to make an appearance, he made it. Was he always in love with the fans? No. Was he always in love with the team? No. Was he always uh, the most honest and forthright, uh, forthcoming person? No. But he's still a, he's not a monster. But getting $30 million a year from the Hornets, he's apparently a thief. So, Oh, sorry, I shouldn't. Say I just think, I mean, I think from the Jazz standpoint, the best thing that ever happened to him, to Jazz in the last 10 years is Gordon Hayward going to Celtics. Wow. Even because above... I think that from a team chemistry standpoint and what this team has been able to create chemistry wise since then, I don't think they do it with Hayward on this team. Even you place that above them drafting Donovan Mitchell. Well, drafting Donovan Mitchell is, is part of that because oh, okay. I don't think Donovan Mitchell excels and becomes who he was as quickly. Yeah, maybe with not. Hayward on that team. Yeah, pro- maybe so. Maybe so. I was actually interested to see if Hayward went to the Pacers to see him play next to Oladipo 
and see uh-huh. how that because Oladipo and Mitchell are somewhat similar. Similar players. Yeah. It would be interesting to see how he would have played uh, along a player next alongside a player like Donovan Mitchell of sorts, but. That's not going to happen. Do you find it interesting that there's been radio silence from Donovan Mitchell since? Since free agency? Yeah. Uh, Interesting in the sense that there haven't been any anything coming out from sure, but not interesting in the sense of I'm concerned. I'm not reading anything into it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not reading like. I don't think it's a concern. Yeah. No, I'm not concerned about it at all. But I think that he knows that the Jazz and he are days away i dare say from an extension i would assume uh, and so let him the have argument his on the extension is are there player options at the end of it <laughs> that's the argument on the extension yep 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 is how many years the extension is but whether he's getting the max or not i think is a foregone conclusion uh so there you go there's some nba news for you jeff uh before we end this week's show which we've got just a few minutes left big news out of germany bmw is pulling their engine production out of Germany by the end of 2022. What? Yeah, BMW is moving their electric engine production out of Germany. By the end of 22, all German factories will make at least one EV model. This out of Frankfurt. BMW on Wednesday said it will retool its German factories to build electric cars and components and shift manufacturing of combustion engines to plants in Austria and England. So they'll make their electric cars in Germany. Their combustion cars will be made in Austria and England. Hmm. Now, that's, that's, that's really big news because BMW and Volkswagen, that is German auto. That, that, that's the, 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 I, Mercedes, obviously. But the history of the, of the vehicle is Volkswagen and BMW. And in Germany and BMW combustion engine not going to be in Germany past 2022. That's just crazy to me. Yeah, it was right. it, it was surprising to me as well. Uh, their Munich plant currently makes four, six, eight, and twelve cylinder combustion engines, but it will be retooled with a 400 million euro investment to make next generation EVs. The car maker said the production of eight and twelve cylinder engines will move from Munich to Hams Hall, England, and other engines will be made in Stir, Austria. Bavaria, where BMW is based, will receive the lion's share of investments. The BMW i4 e-car will be built in Munich. A fully electric version of the 5 Series and 7 Series and the recently revealed 9 will be made in Dingolfing, and an electric X1 will be made in Regensburg. Which is crazy, because, like, Germans and engines, like, that's what, that's, you think of that. Yes. Like, Swiss and watches. This is this is history like being changed. The Toyota right here. Supra has a German BMW engine in it. <laughs> I didn't know that. You wow. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah, the new Supra, the inline six in the new Supra is built is a BMW engine. It's the wow. Z, it's the engine same engine as the Z four. Wow, okay. I had no idea. That is so the, the your Toyota Supra is not gonna be made in Germany either. It's gonna yeah, be crazy, made in right? Hams Hall, England. Yeah, what happened is Toyota wanted to build have a a straight six engine in their Supra, and they didn't make one. So rather than take all the time and money to develop their own, they just called BMW and said, "Let's use yours." <laughs> That's pretty wise. At the same time, BMW didn't didn't want to spend all the money to make a next generation Z4, so they got Toyota to spend part of it, and everyone wins. Mm, interesting. 
Uh, so big news, BMW moving their combustion engines out of Germany in the next two years. Hey, uh, there's there's been some, we've talked about this for years on the show, who's liable in a car crash involving a self-driving car. And it's all kind of been theory, theoretical and hypothetical. <laughs> but now they're actually starting to have these real discussions about putting into law who would be responsible if I told that, you, until that, that happens, around. it's nothing's happening with autonomous cars. We talked about this five years ago. That right. Very right. Uh, it, it, right now we have what most cars are level one that have automation in them. Uh, level the, two or three. Level two, two, rather. Or three, like eyesight's level two. With the assist. Yeah, that's level yeah. two. You're right. Yeah. Level one would be just cruise control. But yeah. level two adds the assist in there. And most cars that, that pro- proclaim to have... Uh, you know, stupid names like autopilot or self-driving that Tesla has now moved. Did you see that Tesla is moving away from calling it autopilot, which finally that's a good thing, but you know they're going to call it self-driving mode. (laughs) That's worse than calling it autopilot, in my humble opinion. But anyway. Makes me so mad. (laughs) uh, Who is in charge? Who is responsible? Who's liable when a self-driving car crashes? Regardless of the damage, if it just is a fender bender or if there's a fatality involved, who is liable? Well, currently, in the studies and when these things have happened, the courts and lawmakers have ruled in favor of the human driver being in error. That The backup human driver, I should say, when these self-driving cars run over something or someone. And in each case, there was distracted driving or not even paying attention as a backup driver at all. But when you get to level five and six in 10, 15, 20 years from now, who's going to get charged with the, with the uh, manslaughter when the self-driving car runs over a person? Are you going to go after the insurance company? Are you going to go after the manufacturer? Does the passenger, who is technically not a driver, have a responsibility and liability still? It's fascinating. That's questions. And then you add on top of that this study that they've done uh, who did this study? The Insurance Institute of Highway Safety and MIT together did a recent study of uh, vehicles that have technology that is supposed to help a driver. And it turns out the more help technology involved in a car in this study, the more reckless the drivers became the longer they were in that car. To put it simply... Uh, you have a, a car that helps you drive, according to this study, you start checking out of things a little more so. Stop paying, yeah, you stop paying attention. It's like the Tesla drivers, you fall asleep and just let the car drive. Precisely, precisely. And, and it, it runs into things and people get hurt. And, and that's why, and it does say here in this article, the most we have available right now is a, a level two partial automation and then level one, the driver assistance. Now, my my, my problem here, Jeff, is... I honestly am a better, safer driver when I'm in my Forester, when I'm in my Subaru, because the eyesight and the, has everything involved with that, the, the braking that does itself, uh, the blind spot detection is uh, perfection. It's incredible. I'm a better, safer driver in my driver-assisted car than when I'm in my CRV that has no automation. But this study is saying that those with more technology are more reckless of a driver. Is it because I'm not a full-time driver in that car? Do you think that my wife 
would qualify as a, a reckless, more reckless driver in the, the Subaru? I don't know. No, it's probably a good question on that. I mean, what happens is that you get comfortable with it and you put it in cruise control on the freeway and it keeps the distance between you and the end front and you stop paying attention. Yeah. You feel like maybe I can answer a text because it's going to stop me if I run into a car in front of me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like that's the problem with it. And I mean, there's still going to be an issue right now. And they're really, they're releasing the regulations on it and asking for comment is where they're at right now. But like I said, there is going to take a liability shield from Congress to make this happen. Well, we got to wrap. NHTSA is not going to work. Just NHTSA going in and making regulations, not going to happen. Yeah. Presidential executive order, not going to happen. Yep. It has, is going to require an act of Congress to give liability shields to the manufacturers. Yep. Well, uh, we do have to wrap it up. We've got a BYU pregame show coming up at the top of the hour as the BYU Cougars are hosting the 0-3 North Alabama Lions. BYU is a 47.5-point favorite, so get geared up for that one. What but, do you think? You take, you going to take BYU or you going to take the – who are they? North Alabama what? Uh, Lions. Yes. Wait, what's the point set? Is it really spread? 47 and a half? Uh, at, well, now, I haven't looked since Tuesday, but on Tuesday it was 47 and a half, minus 47 and a half for BYU. Uh, I simply Ooh. would not touch that. Uh, the, if That's I had to, I, I think there's a chance they definitely cover by a lot. Maybe by 10. Who? Or Alabama. I, oh, okay. I All right, right, like right, a right. 30-point game. I thought you meant BYU. Would cover that 47 and a half. It's a 47 and a half point spread with an over under of 58. <laughs> uh, see, I would bet on the over under, but I would not bet on the, the the spread. There's no chance. But anyway. And so then, they're guessing it's going to be a 54 to 7 game, is what Vegas thinks. It, I'll tell you this if North Alabama scores today, BYU failed. There's, Here's the better question, though is USC Utah. USC's favored by three. What do you think? Uh, Utah by five, trust me. Take Utah. Utah by five, trust me, in honor of the great Tom Barberry. I love you, Tom. Love you, Tom. Hope you're doing well. Uh, pre-game for that is 7.30 right here on the zone. Kickoff at 8.30 for the Utes uh, against oh, the Trojans. Trojans. <laughs> Jeff is conflicted. Whoever wins tonight, Jeff wins uh, as well. I might just every hour today, I might just change my Utah to a USC sweatshirt. Uh, Jeff, I'll see you live next week down at the dealership. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. What a great week. He's Jeff Miller. For Eric Jensen, I'm Austin Horton. See you next week on Utah Carsons. The Zone Sports Network is Utah.